Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. On this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Dr. Lehman, presented by Riverwind Casino, we give you the latest OU football news, including Woody Washington coming back for another season. Then we recap tremendous action in the CFP semifinals, and we give you our winners and losers of the week. Please download and subscribe to the podcast, rate it five stars, and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right, our man Michael Hostey will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Wednesday, January 3rd, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by Riverwind Casino. Riverwind is Oklahoma City's premier casino experience, and there's so many reasons why Riverwind is consistently voted OKC's number one casino, but it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. Riverwind's beautiful award-winning environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games with a huge selection of table games, including Blackjack, Blackjack Match Roulette, and Teddy's favorite, Craps. No matter what your game, Riverwind has it in spades and hearts. And to learn more about their gaming promotions and entertainment options in the month of January, all you got to do is visit Riverwind.com. Riverwind Casino, simply the best. Now we're recording this on Wednesday morning. Please leave us a five-star review and a nice comment. Ted Lehman, happy 2024, brother. Happy New Year. Same to you. Things are great. Um, can't complain. Off to a great start for 2024. Good. That's good to hear. And yeah. I think you can say happy New Year for, I don't know, the first week or two. I, I think Larry David had a rule on that. I think it was like January 7th or something like that. There's but yeah, happy... <laughs> There's, there's a cutoff for sure, but happy new year to all y'all out there and Ted in a shocking development. We've got a lot of OU football news to talk about already, right? Never stops, never stops. So let's get right into it. Woody Washington guy has been a four-year starter for the Sooners. He announced that he will be coming back for the 2024 season. Ted. It, it's like coming back is contagious right now for this football team, especially for guys on that defense. I mean, this is tremendous news for the outlook of the team. You can never have too many veteran players in the secondary. You can never have too many veteran players, period. But what'd you think when you saw this? Yeah, I thought it was awesome. Um, Woody Washington, he's been he's been a solid football player for us. 
And I just, I love that we continue to get seniors back, you know, um, you know, I, I, I would say that it almost, it almost doesn't matter to a certain degree. I, how, like what you think of the player, just the more experience that you have back that just that core group and, um, you know, they've, they've got a, a chip on their shoulder. They're going to, it's going to be their third year in the system. So there's not going to be any excuses there. Ton of experience. You know, I, I got to imagine that these guys are number one, feel good about some of the, the highs that they had from this year and see where they can go. And number two, excited about the future and going to the sec facing some new teams. Um, I'm, I'm thrilled with it. I think, the the way things are shaping up defensively, it feels like we should have a really good defense next year. And like I said, year three, no excuses on that end. Uh, it's not a new defense anymore. No, I completely agree. And you look at you look at Woody Washington as a player. Does he have elite measurables? No, but the guy has been a very solid starter. And, and I thought he was one of the most consistent players on the defense this season. I didn't have a bunch of wow plays, but he's just, he's a consistent presence at a really hard position. Mm-hmm. So he may not be 6'2", 6'3", with super long arms, but what he is, is consistent. And experience available and available. That's a great point, especially with, you know, we saw the issues that some of these guys had at the corner position who would be considered more talented than Woody. Right. But one thing, and it's hard to measure every time we talk to Jay Valai this season, he always talked about the example that Woody Washington sets in that room, how he goes about his business how he handles it like a professional and prepares the proper way. That's that's huge in a room, especially with a bunch of young guys. And what is it, what was it? Seven defensive backs coming in and in this signing class. Mm-hmm. Now you've got you've got what you would call an old head in that room that can continue to show these young guys the way and He's going to help mentor all those young guys, and he's a good football player. So I, I was, I was really excited. I, I don't know what Woody's NFL future looks like, but this feels, this also feels like one of the benefits of NIL. He can come back, make some solid money, right, as opposed to going to the NFL and lasting who knows how long. So it's. It's a really good thing for OU's defense in 2024. I know that. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's um it's awesome to have, you know, you've got Ethan Downs coming back, you've got Stutzman, you've got Bowman, now you've got Woody Washington. And these are guys that are um Oklahoma guys from the beginning, not transfers. And I in this day and that's gonna become more and more rare. Um, to have that many, you know, organic starters from Oklahoma that have been here the whole time, uh, coming back, the leadership, the core of that defense, 
I think it's awesome. And I think it's going to be something, you know, there's, there's probably no other sport that experience plays as big a role as college sports, um, college football, college basketball, when you've got senior leadership coming back, it's a huge advantage over the rest of the field. Um, especially if those guys are, are going to be on the field starters and, you know, it, it's crazy. I remember when Woody Washington first got out there, first got some reps, uh, baptized by fire 2019 peach bowl against LSU, right? Ooh. <laughs> Joe Burrow and crew, right? But when out yeah, there fought just, and, just some guy named Justin Jefferson. You may yeah, have heard maybe, of him since. Maybe best offense ever in college football, but you know, it's been awesome for him and I'm thrilled to have him back. I think it's awesome. And the more of that you see and what you really want is because you know everyone on the team sees it, right? You want this to become an example, and you want those guys to have a bunch of success. You want award winners, because whenever whenever guys witness players coming back for a senior year and having a bigger success than they did previously and propelling themselves forward and maybe winning awards and helping their draft position. That's whenever you start to see that become the norm for a, for a football team. So I love it. I, I couldn't agree more. And it just continues to make me feel like, Oh, you's going to be really solid on defense in 2024. I know that the journey to the sec, there's a lot of unknown, but with the key pieces that this team has coming back on that side of the ball. I know that the season's a long way away, but I will be very disappointed if they don't play well defensively. I know. I, I mean, things can happen and, and, you know, injuries and all of that stuff that we just right. can't pass at this moment, but they should be, they, it should be the best defense that Oklahoma's had in, I don't know, decade. The only other thing I was thinking about when I saw that Woody was coming back was that it's one less guy that Venables has to worry about. It seems like he does all the right things off the field, makes good decisions on the field, and it allows you to look at that that one corner spot in particular and go, hey, I know Woody's got it. Let me go pour my time and attention into maybe a couple of these other spots where we weren't as strong or as consistent as we want to be. It's just for Venables, it's just, okay, one less thing to worry about. Good. Let me focus all my time and energy on these couple guys that I need to get to a higher level. Yeah. And think about, and that's why the experience matters. Now you've got it at every level of the defense. So imagine whenever they just came on and you're trying to get everybody on the entire team up to speed, right? Trying to get everyone dialed in, where you line up, how we do things, like what our drills look like. And now you've got a really big core of your group that knows everything. You don't have to spend all of that time. And I think it's a great point. And it, it helps the younger guys, the new guys get up to speed much quicker. And you can detail a lot of things. I, I think that's a great point. That and 
Woody Washington's just an awesome football name. I know that that really shouldn't matter, but it's just, it's a great name. It's fun to say on the broadcast. He can come back, but he has to keep the same number. The number change took us a little bit. <laughs> it did. <laughs> it took us a little bit. So hopefully he stays in five. He's five, right? He's five, five and yeah. Billy was two. Yeah, that's okay. funny. Well, yeah. I, Woody, please don't change numbers again. Sincerely, <laughs> the radio crew. All right, some other news. The portal giveth and the portal taketh. Uh, let's start with the additions. Utah defensive back Jocelyn Velasca. I think I'm saying that properly. He is committed to Oklahoma as a preferred walk-on. Speaking of measurables, 6'1", 180. Looks like his frame can certainly add some more weight with some of the clips that I saw. Really interesting. Ted, I was watching something. This is a guy that was on scholarship at Utah. I... I saw a little thing on him. He was he was primarily a special teams guy, but this is a guy that him and his brother were living in an orphanage in Haiti, were adopted by a couple. He played at Bethany in Oklahoma. I, I guess his brother is is going to be a highly recruited guy out of Bethany as well. I don't know, just I don't know much about him, but 6'1, 180, not the most experienced football player, right? But this seems like a guy that Venables and Valai identified and went, we can do something with that guy. And having him as a walk-on, which we all know, let's let's connect some dots here. He's going to be going to school for free. You don't leave a scholarship at Utah to go pay full tuition somewhere else. But it is, it's a really interesting addition to the roster. Yeah, it is. And, and what a path. You know, he's taken um, really cool. And, yeah, you love the measurables. Um, you love the familiarity with the area. Um, I I still think that that even though we've got some good, solid guys coming back, like, there's going to be some heated competition in the secondary at several different spots. I mean, it's going to be hard to win jobs, but – you know, there's there's some stuff that I would say is not ironclad right now as far as who's going to start in what spot there in the secondary. So more guys that you feel like can compete, maybe add some some different measurables and, and stuff back there in the secondary, some, some different skill sets. I'm all for it. Yeah. No, I hear you. I, I think he is – his story right now, I think his story is – is going to be really cool for OU to tell. But when you look at the measurables, you look at the level of athleticism. I don't know. He's just, it's a very intriguing, I don't want to call him a project because that, that, that term usually it's got like a negative connotation, but I'm just interested to see where he ends up with some development here at OU. Not saying that Utah doesn't develop players at a high level. Yeah. They absolutely do, but that's what I was about to say. You know, you know, he's, he's been coached well, you know, right. so he's coming from a really good defensive scheme and defensive program that, that really does a good job developing players. Yeah. So Malaska, I like it. Well, we'll see where it goes. Okay. A couple of Sooners jumped in the portal. Let's start with Blake Smith. We saw him early and then he kind of just disappeared off the face of the earth. I, 
you know, when we saw him, I, I was surprised he was such a large part of the offense early in the season. I expressed that surprise here on the podcast. And then he kind of just disappeared, whether it was injury. I, I, I don't know, but the way that I view it, and it's a little harsh, I know, but it, it opens up another spot. You can yep. only carry so many guys on your team, whether they're walk-ons, whether they're scholarship guys, certainly we know the scholarship limit, but it, it opens up a spot in that tight end room. And hopefully Blake fit, uh, Blake Smith finds a landing spot, ends up getting to play a lot of football somewhere. But yeah, I'm interested. I, I think we're all interested to see how Joe John Finley can reshape, retool this tight end room. Yeah, no, I agree. And it's probably it's probably one of maybe the position on the entire football team whenever you you look at the previous season and then the season we just finished and then next year and say like you saw previously how big of a weapon it was and and how, how good a play you got out of um uh, Braden Willis. You know, Willis, your favorite and, player ever. How could you forget Braden Willis's name? I was My just goodness. Talking about him yesterday too. Um Braden Willis, and you know, you could use him all over the place. And I thought Stockner came in and did a really good job by doing some stuff that really isn't his specialty, but you could tell the difference it had on our offense. So I would say that this position's under a lot of pressure to have some productivity next season and ultimately could make a huge difference for our offense. I think the level of athleticism in the room is going to be significantly improved. Now, when you look at Mitchell, Devon Mitchell, the the freshman tight end that I think out of all the freshmen, he's going to be the one that is expected to play right away just because the need at the position, we'll see if it ends up working like working out like that tight end is hard. You got to do a lot physically, and it's it's a mental challenge. And, and the offense that they've been running, it is other than quarterback. I believe it's the most mentally challenging position in that offense. So you're going to have to get the freshman up to speed. I've seen some more clips of Bauer Sharp. I'm a little more intrigued now with some of the speed that he's displayed. So I just mark that one down. Little interested in what he can become, and then. Josh Faneuil's an interesting guy. He was one of the best-looking players on the team physically this season. Yeah, Guys barely played any football. I mean, he's a basketball player, but how much progress can he make? And then Cade McIntyre is a guy with his athleticism that that I expect to, to be kind of an H-back. Also, but also be a guy that you can get the ball in space and he can go do something with it. So... I the they need they absolutely need the tight end position to improve. Yeah, has to. Um needs to be a, a pass threat, needs to be a blocking threat, needs to be a piece of the offense that you can move around and and make it difficult on defenses to to get aligned or to know what to expect out of different personnel groupings. I mean we need a really good tight end. We'd love to have three really good tight ends, right? I mean, ultimately, you want three guys. You want three guys that are capable, that you can 
kind of move around in different spots because that's it, it becomes really difficult on a defense when you have multiple tight ends that can do multiple things. You don't know where to really secure your defense. Are we gearing up for run here? Are we are we going with heavier personnel? I what are we doing? And when an offense has the ability to spread you out whenever you've got big people in, it can be really dangerous. Yeah. I, I I've noticed a lot of other people on my timeline mentioning that uh, Baylor tied in Blake Roberts has entered the portal, uh, played three seasons under Seth Luttrell at North Texas. We'll, we'll see if anything comes of that. Ted. Interesting coincidence. Is that what people are saying? I, I've seen the C word thrown out <laughs> by C word. I mean, coincidence, people calm down, yeah. but okay. yeah. So we'll see if anything comes of that. Uh, last thing, Day McCullough entered the portal, clearly Desan's brother. Ted, do you think it's as simple as that is a very deep and talented safety room? I think so. You know, not knowing anything else about it, that would probably be my guess. It's especially with some of the the young guys that are going to be coming in. And obviously the the experience that's staying in Bowman, I I believe that it's got to be one of the perhaps one of the best safety groups in, in college football, like potential wise with what those guys can do, like what you have coming back and some of the young talent there. It's got a chance to be really special. Yeah, so we wish Day the best of luck. We'll see where he ends up landing. He was a you know decently highly recruited guy, so I'm not I'm not overly concerned about him finding a landing spot. All right, let's get to call your shot. We asked you guys the most important thing that happened this week for OU football, and I absolutely love this first one. It comes from at 32k Mac, who says. Ethan Downs with the stone-cold hordes down that absolutely exasperated the burnt orange masses. Legendary. That was... So if you didn't see it, people, Ethan Downs was being honored on the field of the Sugar Bowl as part of the Allstate Good Works team. And the entire time the camera was on him, he was throwing the horns down. And reminder, Texas was playing in the Sugar Bowl. Just an epic decision. It was it was hilarious. And the fact that Texas fans saw it, and I saw this from our buddy Cedric Golden, Texas fans saw it like on the big screen and saw him do it. So they started an OU sucks chant during the Sugar Bowl as he was coming off the field. And he was just like, yes, come on. I... That is college football at its absolute best. Did you see the video of the girl sending him direct message after direct message that someone videoed in the stands? How funny was that? Oh, my <laughs> gosh. Just absolutely triggered. <laughs> oh, man. It's so easy. It's so easy. And uh, it, it's it's fun, but kind of scary. Fun that a... a Simple hand gesture just can get 80,000 people thrown into a frenzy in a bad way. That's great. 
nicely done by Ethan Downs. That was awesome. It is. It's one of those situations where the Texas fans are just trying to focus on Washington, and then Ethan Downs completely just triggers off them. They're like, "What? No!" It is a good reminder <laughs> really? that they lost to OU this year. They're playing in the semifinal, but they're still like, "Oh, we lost the OU. Damn it!" It's like we can't. We can never get away from them ever. That was great. That was All awesome. Right. All right, this other one comes from Patty for President who says Brooks and Stone showing out at the Under Armour All-American camp. If OU wants to get over the hump, it starts up front. I All I've seen is what I what's being put on Twitter. Do we call it X now, or are you just going to call it yeah. Twitter forever? I call it Twitter, and okay. I, it's going to have to happen at some point. Maybe there's so many people that do it that I start to change, but right now it's Twitter. Okay deal but all i've been able to see is you know some of the drill work and then the one-on-one stuff but th- that appears appears to be all that gets posted and from what i gather uh the akinkumi kid david stone and eugene brooks has had seems like he's had himself a week i still come on beating both play him at center i watch him and i see the next great center at Oklahoma. That's what I see with Eugene Brooks. Do it, Bill. Do it. But seems like those guys are really holding their own down there. If not, more than that. Yeah, I thought I thought Akinkumi looked great. Now the anchor I mean, looks better than I thought it would. I, I don't I, I was wanting to ask you, like, I don't know, because he, he sits down, he's got his whole both feet firmly in the ground and He's got him underhooked, ain't going nowhere. <laughs> it's pretty strong. I like I, what I saw there. I asked our buddy Bud Elliott, who was down there watching it in person, and he said he's more impressed with this group of OU guys than he was with last year's. And basically, he said it, it seems like they got some really good football players mm-hmm. that also have really good measurables. So, uh, just from you know the boots on the ground, the reviews for the guys that OU have has at that event are the reviews are good, man, and that's exciting. That's exciting. It's better than getting reviews with people telling yeah. you, eh, they don't, uh, they don't look that great. That's that's what you want to see, and you know you never know whenever you just get a like a a slow drip of one-on-one drills, like what it all actually looks like, but there's enough there to make you think, Hey, see a lot of, a lot of potential in, in a lot of these guys. So yeah, it looks awesome. My, my number one takeaway is Akin Kumi that get tweets a lot. My goodness. There's a lot of there. The, hey, content is King, I suppose, but I've never seen an offensive lineman tweet that much. <laughs> and that comes for me. I know. It's funny. Um, I, I just remembered. Did you see the clip of the kid going to Wisconsin? The right tackle? Oh, what he did to the kid that's going to Missouri? Like that reach block or whatever. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, if I'm thinking of the right one, the one I'm thinking of was like a one-on-one rep, and I think it was the Winery kid. And yeah, he goes I, he goes with an inside swim move in the right tackle who looks 
enormous, catches him and just buries him. That I saw that one. This one I'll have to I'll have to find it and send it to you. I guess this is a tackle that's going to Wisconsin and well, he'll probably stink. Wisconsin doesn't produce any offensive linemen. He's reach blocking a guy, and oh my god, <laughs> he just buries him. It's pretty cool. Yeah, that's. It, it seems like those events are a lot of fun. So I am. I'm glad that the OU guys have represented themselves well. All right, let's recap. Just an epic, epic slate in the college football playoff. But first, Love's Travel Stops is now offering a nationwide 10 cent per gallon discount on gas and auto diesel. Just download the Love's Connect app and scan your barcode at the prompt on screen and watch that price drop 10 cents per gallon. Across the country, the Love's Connect app unlocks exclusive deals can help any traveler plan their route or meal on the highway. So before you hit the road, be sure to download the Love's Connect app to save 10 cents per gallon and experience the country's best highway hospitality at Love's Travel Stops. Love's also has you covered if you forget your phone charger or headphones with their expanded mobile to go zone. And of course, don't forget to grab yourself some of that delicious Java Amore. Celebrate with the Schooner All-American Ale, the official craft beer of OU Athletics from Coop Ale Works. Named after the iconic Sooner Schooner that races across Owen Field after an OU score, you can join in on the celebration with an ice-cold beer from Coop Aleworks. You can enjoy it at the Palace on the Prairie, at OU Athletic Events, at the bar, at the tailgate, and in the comfort of your own home. For more information on Schooner All-American Ale, visit schoonerale.com. Must be 21 to purchase. Please drink responsibly. Schooner All-American Ale, the taste of game day. And new sponsor alert. And we're fired up about this one. Just a tremendous Tremendous, growing, booming Oklahoma company, Simple Modern. And Simple Modern is an Oklahoma drinkware company founded by OU grads. How about that? They have fantastic products, and that's why they found tremendous success selling the products at Target, Walmart, Amazon, and SimpleModern.com. I use Simple Modern cups. My wife uses Simple Modern cups. My kids use Simple Modern cups. It's the water cup and the milk cup, Ted. That's when you know it's good. Their products are for the whole family. If you are a small business owner looking for some marketing swag or for current and future customers, they make fantastic customized products. They are making us some customized podcast cups for us to yes. use during the podcast. Let's go. Love it. Check all of their stuff out at simplemodern.com. What do you think? Start with the Rose Bowl? Go just go yeah. in chronological order of how the day went? Let's do it. Alabama, Michigan, the Michigan Wolverines win in overtime, 27 to 20. I won't lie. Bama scored on McClellan's run. I think what was a second play of the fourth quarter. Michigan goes three and out. And it felt like Bama was in complete control of that game. Nick Saban was going to take another team to a title game. I mean, even Jalen Milrow, he fumbles. And Michigan misses the field goal and gets no points. And it's one of those, well, it's just Alabama's day, right? Mm -hmm. But credit to the Michigan Wolverines, man. Down 20 to 13, four minutes and 41 seconds to go in the game. Absolutely had to have it and got it done. A huge conversion on that fourth and two. 
I, I completely agreed with that call, even though they had all their timeouts. Mm-hmm. Uh, need a little luck. Ball gets tipped. Roman Wilson's still able to make a play on it. And, and then, for whatever reason, Bama leaves him wide open for that touchdown. I, The white punt returner almost gave us all a heart attack. I don't know what Jake Thaw <laughs> was thinking at the goal line. That was, oh, my goodness. But they were able to get it done in overtime with the run game. It it was not very much fun to watch early, but had a very entertaining ending. Ted, fun football game, man. Yeah, it was just kind of the I mean it, it was just kind of a slow back and forth, it felt like, but you know, it builds to a, a really good ending. And that was great. I I'm with you. I thought Alabama was going to just kind of step away with it there in the second half whenever it looked like they grabbed control. And uh, credit Michigan continued to answer and stay alive, got to the overtime. And, you know, once they got to the overtime, just punched it straight in. And, I, you know, it was pretty shocking to me how they were able to punch it in. But, you know, still credit them, blocking it up, good running game got the touchdown and then I love it's awesome when a defense like wins the game and you can storm the field as like the ball falls to the ground you know it makes for a better field storming uh it was awesome the ending of that game was just really cool the environment the atmosphere you know you really got the feeling that you were watching you know the two of the best in college football which is what you want you know oftentimes we go into these semifinals and, you know, we feel like it's going to be pretty lopsided going in, but, you know, two huge brands in college football gave us a thriller overtime game. That was awesome. A lot of people saw a lot of people saying, Oh, that felt like the national title game. Did they watch Michael Penix in that offense? We'll get to that, but I, I don't know about all that. The last play it's there. There's multiple options that are there, and Jalen Milrow is going to be thinking about that last play for a long time. QB power, it looks like there's an option to flip it out to the running back if he sees it on that play, but it looked like they were just trying to run QB power from the three-yard line, and that's a bit of a bold call for sure, but the hole is there. The problem is Alabama center can't snap the football, man. It's insane. Yeah. And and I've I've watched quite a bit of them this season. He's had issues all year long, and I I felt bad for Jalen Milrow. I have never seen a quarterback look so focused on the snap. Never, he doesn't know where it's going to go. He's like, no, and normally like baseman, and, and that's I had a conversation. It was like our my second day in the NFL. Charlie Whitehurst, I'll never forget it. He's the backup quarterback in Tennessee. I was likely, you know, before I blew my knee out, was going to be the backup center that season maybe. And he he said, hey, Gabe, the snaps are a little hot. Slow them down. And he told me one more time, he said, the snaps are a little hot. Slow them down. Slow them down or you're not going to be snapping to me. And I said, okay, 
and, and it was, and I, he, he pulled me aside after practice and he said, Hey, the reason is I got all this other stuff to worry about. The last thing I should have to worry about is a shotgun snap. Just get, just put it in my chest, decent speed, put it in my chest. It's not that hard. And I looked at him. I was like, you're right. It's not that hard. The Alabama center was making me irrationally angry with his snapping. I'm watching it on the couch, fuming. Now, some people will say, don't you feel bad for the center? No. Snap the damn ball, man. It's literally the number one part of the job. Snap the ball, and then everything else takes place after that. He took points off the board, man. Yeah. You feel bad if it's a... If like it's adverse a, conditions, like it's pouring rain or something. I don't know. Or it's like it, it's like a non-conference game and the center's blocking an all-American nose guard and they're getting killed. You yeah, know, it's like, like an that, FCS center against yes. a guy that's gonna be a top ten pick. You're like, mm, this is out of Michigan. You know, I, I don't it's I think we're past that point. It's uh this is big boy football and it's crazy to think that, you know, that last play, because he's so worried about the snap and it's not a good one, like it takes him quickly out of the, you know, am I throwing the bubble or the the swing or am I going to run the power? And as everything happens so fast out there, like whenever you reach or something for a ball, it feels like it took 15 seconds and all timing is gone on what you're doing. So I can understand the clock being a little messed up for Milrow on that final play, but yeah, that's, that's going to be one where they, they look at it and are going to be frustrated because, you know, he, he could have set up the run a little bit better, uh, you know, and, and, and let the blocking unfold a little bit for him instead of just, I mean, he ran it like it was from the half yard line instead of from the the three or three and a half, wherever it was, a little bit more patience, and he would have had options there. But again, like it's hard to to really criticize whenever the snap is off and, and his timing and his head's all blown to smithereens. Yeah, that that ball gets close to the ground right there, and whatever he was thinking went away, mm-hmm. and that's the center's fault. So that was, I can only imagine how frustrated that guy is. Of course, like no one cares more than him, but man, that's, that's tough to go into the locker room when you just cost your team. I'm I'm not going to say you cost them the game, but that first drive out of the half where, and I thought Tommy Reese made some really good adjustments. They got to run in duo. They ran, I don't know how many times they ran it. They ran it over 10 times in the second half. And Michigan just could not figure out how to fit it. They got to some QB run game. They gave Milrow some easier throws. Like I really like the adjustments they made offensively. But in a game where it was just not some big shootout, there were not going to be a ton of points scored. Bama is, they're kind of cooking on their first drive out of the half. And the center snaps them out of points. I mean, yeah. that is, that's brutal. Man, absolutely brutal. Yeah. And you hate it whenever it's like 
like one person that you everyone can point to and you're like, right, right there at you, you know, it's, I mean, they had other opportunities. I, you know, I don't know how Alabama gives up the touchdown they gave up in overtime. I mean, I'm just, I can't, I, it's hard for me to watch. I cannot watch that play. You mean bare um, front, completely misfit power? It's the easiest thing in football. Like at that level of football, you will not find, you cannot be in a better call. You cannot be in an easier play to fit and they screw it up and give up a touchdown in overtime. And Michigan had probably run it 20 times during the football game. You know, it's not, it's not first play of the first drive, unique formation, unique motion. You're trying to adjust super simple and they messed it up. I, you know, it's just weird to me. Like that's, that's the pinnacle of college football this year, Alabama, Michigan, in the Rose Bowl, in the semifinal, and it should be unstoppable force meets immovable object on that play. It should be a collision, no gain, next snap. Just it should just do that. But it's a touchdown, and then you know, obviously up on up on defense for Michigan, but still a great game and. That one, that was awesome. The uh, Oklahoma-Georgia game, I know it was a different style of football game, but it's awesome to see an overtime in a semifinal. No doubt. I thought J.J. McCarthy was okay. He got so lucky on the first play. I mean, what was he thinking? Throws the interception right to him, and luckily the guy's heels out of bounds when he jumps to pick it off. But uh, Michigan had a lot of mistakes, especially special I saw teams. That exact play this year, reviewed, and not go Oklahoma's way on the review. Crazy. Thought about. I thought about that as well. <laughs> now, this one was pretty clear. It was clear that he was out. Yeah. But I thought the story of the game was Alabama's defense busting in key situations. You you think about the first touchdown. That is a play you see over and over and over again. Forum is wide open, uncovered, out of the backfield on the first touchdown of the game. The fourth and two. It was pretty much fourth in the game, or at least that's how it felt. Where Michigan's going for it, deep in their own territory. Blake Corum, uncovered, out of the backfield. For a huge gain. And then... The touchdown in overtime. You broke it down. Bear defense, a play that Michigan runs all the time. They run the power, and you completely misfit it. When the game was on the line, when these plays, these huge plays were were happening, to me, it seemed like Bama just completely busted. Yeah. Which is un-Bama-like. It's one thing whenever you're like, oh man, they they got us on this one. That's a that's a great call for what we were in, or right. You know, it's it's something we hadn't seen in that moment. That's one thing, but when they do some stuff that's that's that simple and it it turns into those big of like game changing type of moments, that's what's frustrating. There's no doubt. My only other thought on that game is 
and, and give credit to Michigan's defense. Uh, they they got some dudes now. There, there's no doubt about it. But Alabama's offensive line's inability to block empty protection is stunning. I had trouble all year. The if you know empty is a big part of the plan, which clearly it was a big part of the plan, especially in the first half. They just it, it's like they couldn't process it. It was wild to watch, man. I I don't know how you're playing O line for Bama. I know that they're well coached. I know that. So to watch them bust empty protection over and over and over again was whew. I was I was not in a good place on the couch. <laughs> I was just I was mad at the center. I was mad at their online. I was like, wait, why do I care if Bama struggles? It's it I that's where I went. Just remove the logos and what OU's future looks like and all that stuff. I just I just want to watch good offensive line play. Is that too much to ask? Hey, when in doubt, just watch the football. When they snap it to the quarterback, watch him and Disgusting. then watch. How dare it. you? How dare you suggest I watch the football like a commoner? What's wrong with you? Watch the offensive line and defensive line, people. That's where that's where the game is won. No, it did not have a great start, especially in that first half. Hit a bit of a lull in that second quarter, mm-hmm. but the finish ended up delivering. That was fun. It was. All in all, really good football game, and – We'll see. I mean, Michigan is... I thought the better team won. I thought, as I was watching it, especially with the way that Alabama was struggling at points in time offensively, I thought, hey, Michigan, they don't have any game changers at the wide receiver spot, but they they, they looked like the more physical, better prepared team. Yeah. And I they think- overcame all those mistakes on special teams. What in the world? Yeah. I think they're I think they're better prepared because I think Michigan probably has the most simple offense and defensive systems that you'll find. And it's easy to prepare that way whenever and they've they haven't been forced out of their comfort zone really by anyone all year. And you just kind of stay with what you do and I mean they were close to it against Alabama but they were still able to to stick with what they do and what they do well and and win the football game. Anything else on that game? I think that's it. Other than uh, Milrose uh, pregame retire, that was pretty funny. The length. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Reese Davis. Oh, that. Did you see the McAfee clip? That thing. Oh man, so great. Yeah, so great. Pretty, pretty good stuff. All right. Let's move to the Sugar Bowl. Washington wins 37-31. I've got a story for you, Ted. Okay. I was at a bar slash restaurant and watching this game with a group of UW fans. Okay. That we've met over here and... It was like, hey, come watch the game with us a few days ago. I was like, well, what else are we going to do? Yeah, let's go watch it. And Washington recovered that onside kick with one minute and nine seconds to go in the game. And my wife was like, hey, let's drive home. It is not far. It's maybe a five-minute, six-minute drive. 
back to the house out here. And we missed a lot. <laughs> yeah, I'd say so. And I got back and was caught up to speed and hit rewind and watched the chaos unfold. Dude, I could not believe how dramatic of an ending. I was congratulating all these Washington fans like, hey, you guys going to Houston? They're all saying, yeah, we're going. I was like, that's awesome, man. I'm so jealous. I was wearing an OU football shirt. Of course I was. They brought me a Washington shirt, and I was like, get that thing away from me. <laughs> not happening. Oh, like, not happening, buddy. But what an unreal finish. I I couldn't believe it, but ultimately, in my opinion, the better team definitely won the football game, and they were able to hold on. But my goodness, did the Huskies make it a dramatic ending. Wow. Yeah, that... If you uh, if you went to sleep with three minutes left in that football game saying this one's over and you would have woke up to see Texas throwing it in the end zone to win the game, you would have been shocked. How did we get here? And I, Washington just, they, I don't know if they got too conservative. I don't, I mean, there's, you can get into all of that, but um, it was a great football game. Two really solid offenses, a bunch of great skill guys out there going to work. Um, Sanders was great for Texas. Um, Penix is just, he's so fun to watch, man. He's Darts. so fun. It's crazy. I, it still looks like he's throwing a different football than everyone else. The way he throws it is just so cool. That first half the way it was going back and forth with Penix just slinging it all over the place. That was fun. I thought Texas did a really nice job with their run game. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure why they didn't lean on it more, but even yours, yours did some nice things with his legs, but Washington gave him a gift with that muff punt that they capitalized on. It felt like Washington would do something, then Texas would answer. And it was fun. It was a really fun football game to watch. But ultimately, I thought the difference was Michael Penix. I thought he was the difference. And yep. some of those throws that he had, pushing it down the field, uh, the one, the, the touchdown throw where he's just throwing a dart right in between the two safeties. I thought he was the reason they won the game, and man, that was fun to watch. Adunze, Polk, McMillan, all of them made big plays. Adunze. Oh my god, he's so good. Adunze's so good. Is he the best? He seems like he's the best receiver in the country. Like uh, he is ridiculous. Yeah, he's incredible, and I think Penix throws the best deep ball I've seen, maybe since Burrow. I thought college. you were about to say maybe since Jason White. <laughs> <laughs> I it's just it's beautiful. It is, it's beautiful and it is on the money every single time. Um let me ask you this. Would that game or how different would that game have been if Texas had Brooks? I think they would have leaned on the run game. I think Texas would have had a different type of plan. And 
I, I still I'm a little confused as to why they didn't run it more. Maybe they felt once once Washington got up to double digits, like you feel that pressure, like, hey, we got to make a play. We got to make a play. I think it would have been more beneficial for Texas to go into that game going, hey, we're going to ground and pound. We're going to shorten this thing. But that's just, that's not what they did. I'm not entirely sure why. And to their credit, they are throwing the ball multiple times in the end zone to win the game on the last play. In the last stretch of the game, so it's not like the plan was awful, but yeah, I do think, I do think it would have been different with Brooks. Would they have won? I don't know. I'm yeah. I'm not betting against Penix. My God, Blue had the big. He dropped the 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 deep ball. He had and the fumble. Had that big fumble. Yeah, the fumble was that was a. What was that? Just outside the 20, like points off the board. Yeah. And they were down 34-21 when he fumbled that. I mean, that is just, that's critical. So, and that was, now that you mentioned it, C.J. Baxter had the fumble. That led to a field goal for Washington. Blue had the fumble. It took points off the board for him. The mm-hmm. The running back mistakes were maybe the difference in the game yeah so yeah yeah, that's an interesting thought Uh, i guess if you're a texas fan you can always say if we had jonathan brooks we would be playing for a national title but But you had him good sus and still got your ass kicked Ooh. um what'd you think of yours i thought it was okay i know i thought the throws late were strange he is if he has a clean pocket and he's got the coverage that he he wants and he sees pre-snap, he's great. He throws a really nice ball, accurate ball, you know, smooth. It's really catchable, looks great. If things are off and he's not just right on time and maybe he's got a, a, a post-snap read or, they, you know, a disguise, like, if anything's off, I think that's where he really starts to struggle. It gets inaccurate. It gets happy feet. Um, but, you know, you can definitely see the talent there. But, man, there's some times where it's like, where did that come from? You know, right. like, what happened on that throw? Yeah. I, I thought in both games, you look across both games, I thought it was glaringly obvious that Michael Penix is head and shoulders the best quarterback. Totally agree. And it wasn't only his ability to throw from a clean pocket. And Washington's offensive line did a really nice job protecting him. But even when Texas got a bit of a rush, got some pressure on him, his ability to move within the pocket, he's clearly the healthiest he's been in quite some time. Yeah. I mean, his ability to make guys miss and still deliver the ball down the field. He was the best player I saw, maybe other than Roman Dinsay. He was he was awesome, man. And I thought those types of plays were, were the difference. And also they got to some QB run game with him. Stole a couple plays from from the Sooners that they ran against Texas in the Cotton Bowl. And they had some good success with Penix with his legs in, in that second half, breaking off some big chunks. He was 
he was spectacular, man. That that was a really, really fun football game that had a completely unnecessarily dramatic ending. <laughs> I, I got it. a question for you. Yeah. It feels incredibly punitive. So, right, Dylan Johnson goes down hurt. Texas has no timeouts. It feels really punitive for an offense to be in that situation. The clock doesn't run. Yeah. Uh, you got to, at that point, if you're a Washington offensive lineman, you just got to throw them on your shoulder like a sack of potatoes, like you do with the toddler, and get them off the field and let the clock ass. I don't know. It just seems. It seems like if the defense doesn't have timeouts in that situation, some time should go off the clock. I don't know. I, or is it just, hey, don't get hurt? I I don't know, but it feels it feels awfully punitive to the offense. Because that's why there was so much time. That's why Texas had the time to go go down the field and make and, and make those plays. I don't I don't know. It was just strange to me. Yeah. No, you're right. Um yeah. Now, what was the deal? They didn't have any timeouts, right? Washington didn't have any timeouts. So, I don't know. It, it is. I'm just trying to think. That rule was put in for a reason. Um, I was trying to think of what the reason would be. Because if you're, in, if you're a defense in that situation, it's third down. They're running it. You have no timeouts. It would go to, what, down to like 20 seconds? If he doesn't get hurt, you go, guys, I need you to go break someone's leg. I don't care who it is. Go hurt somebody because we right. get a timeout. And it's like the same thing offensively. I, what if you, what if you're down and you don't have any timeouts? I, you're st- you, it's, you could stop the clock for yourself. That's what happened, right? I'm not crazy. Right? Yeah. So I was... I, I can't... It was... At the time, I thought... It was like, what is happening right now? Maybe and, I just missed something. Maybe if I did, people let me know. Usually, if, if we mess something up, people let us know on Twitter. So just tell me I'm an idiot if I saw that sequence. Whatever it is, I feel like it's there. Like most of the other things, is so you don't get the gamesmanship at the end of a game with someone faking injuries or something. I mean, that's, I, I, I don't know exactly what that scenario would be, but you know, I have to go back and look at it again to know exactly what, what we're looking at. But yeah, it was, it was, it was weird. It was weird to say the least. National championship game, early gut instinct. What do you got? Washington. Same. Now, I love the clash of styles. Um, you know, looking at how Texas was having some success running the football, Michigan will not stop running the football. No. You know, they so will run it 70 times. That's right. <laughs> that that's has been proven. And you know, I thought at least on the interior of the defensive line, Washington's bigger and stronger than Maybe I thought like they got some big dudes in there. Um, now they're going to try sky on the edge had himself a day. Yeah. They're going to have to fit things better. And, you know, it's going to be easier against Michigan because things are a little more straightforward and 
you're not so enamored by all the skill talent on the outside. Um, but I, I think it's going to be a great game. I love the clash and styles. Uh, I think Washington by far has the better quarterback on the field, the more, more explosive offense, but Michigan's got, you know, the, the meat and potatoes uh, over Washington by quite, quite a margin as well. So it should make for a fun game. At some point, the football gods must punish Michigan. That is still in the back of my mind. At some point, it has to happen. I just, I, I like Washington. It's simple, man. Michael Penix and those wide receivers. That's no, no, no. It it may be the shortest national title game ever. Michigan may run it sixty times for three hundred something yards, but I don't know. I'm just I'm not going against Penix. Uh, certainly not if I'm, what is it, four and a half, five point spread, I think. Yeah. I'm taking those points with the Huskies. Anything right. else? No. With what we watch. No. All right. Great, let's finish up. Great semifinal weekend, though. Uh, that's one of the best we've had. Maybe oh, the best. Yeah. There's no doubt about that. All right. Let's finish up with our winners and losers of the week. But first. All right. Here we go. All those grill masters out there, listen up. Didier Ranch delivers premium quality beef that is 100% raised in Oklahoma right to your front door. Go to DidierRanch.com, D-I-D-I-E-R Ranch.com to order one of their premium quality beef boxes. Filet, ribeye, New York strips, sirloin, steak burgers, they got it all and they ship anywhere in the continental United States and Oklahomans can get deliveries in just one to two days. The only thing better than having a lot of premium beef on the O-line and D-line is having premium beef delivered right to your front door. Didier Ranch, tradition tastes better. And John Vance Auto Group has a deal for Oklahoma Breakdown listeners. Go to any of their nine full-service dealerships in Woodward, Miami, Guthrie, and they and tell them we sent you, and they'll give you $500 off. That's $500 off just because you listen to this podcast. They've been serving Oklahomans for 40 years. They're family-owned and operated. No matter what your vehicle needs are, John Vance Auto Group has you covered. They carry domestic brands such as Ford, Lincoln, Chevy, Buick, GMC, Chrysler, Dodge, Ram, Jeep, and Wagoneer. John Vance Auto Group's goal is to give unequaled service and to exceed customers' expectations in every way. You can find all the information about their lifetime loyalty program, browse their entire inventory, and find the John Vance dealership near you at vanceautogroup.com. And head to the garage for hand-smashed patties, butter-toasted buns, and ice-cold beer. It's the perfect spot to watch any big game, and with all the garage locations being open to 10 p.m. or later every night, it's the go-to late-night spot. Visit eatatthegarage.com to find a location near you and order online from the garage in your neighborhood. As always, Ted, kick us off. Who do you have as your winner of the week? Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, they lost to New Orleans Saints, which was not good. However, they play Carolina in the last game of the season. They're currently 8-8. Eight and eight. They're tied at the top of the, the standings of the division with, uh, with New Orleans. All they have to do is beat the Carolina Panthers, who have the worst record in the NFL. Not only do they make the playoffs, they win the division, and they're hosting a playoff game. So it's all right there in front of the Bucks. Now, 
Carolina's already locked up the worst record in the NFL. So, it, you know, you can throw the they need to lose this game out the window. They, gonna, they've also got some distractions currently. Just so you know, little peek forward, uh, David Tepper is my loser of the week. <laughs> Just a little peek into the future, people. You can't wait to see that. Um, hey, the buck, if you would have told them you got one game against the uh, record-wise the worst team in the NFL to be able to win the division and host a playoff, I think they would take that with the screaming yes. So um, it's right there in front of them. Now, this also uh, sets you up for perhaps the most epic collapse of all time. Um, but, and I guess they can still what they can still tie and maybe even lose and get in, but just go win, just go beat Carolina and you get to host and uh, you're in the playoffs. So I hard not to go with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as the winner right now. I'm going to throw something at you. Okay. I just want to see what you think. Baker Mayfield. Mm-hmm. NFL comeback player of the year. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Everyone thinks they're just going to give it to DeMar Hamlin, and that seems like a completely different conversation, right? I, I think we can all acknowledge that. But right. Baker Mayfield, I, I think he deserves to be NFL Comeback Player of the Year. And when you think about you know, what that award, normally it's you're coming off an injury. People kind of thought Baker was done as the starting quarterback. And for him to have the type of season he's had and to lead his team to the playoffs, like, that is NFL comeback player of the year worthy stuff, man. Coming back from an injured reputation and an injured soul uh, to to host a playoff game with the Bucks, And, you know, they've gone through some up and downs this year, especially on the defensive side. You know, they've had some really bad defensive uh, lapses throughout the year. But to go in there have the success he's had. It feels like he's got that locker room behind him, which, you know, doesn't necessarily feel like always the easiest group. Um, and they've been, he's been solid, low interception numbers, high touchdown numbers, just been all around really solid year. They got to finish it off though. I, I've got them as the winner because they're playing Carolina Panthers. I, this is the NFL. Anyone can lose to anyone on a given weekend. I mean, that's just how it is. You feel like there's this huge separation between these teams, but you know, often there's not. Just go get it done. And I think he'll have I think he'll have a really good opportunity for that award. I think he'll have a really good opportunity for a contract extension there with Tampa. Uh perhaps someone else. I don't know what, what that is, but He's he's done a really good job this year. Some of his best numbers, and uh, you get in the playoffs, you get hot at the right time. He's got some big playmakers around him. You never know what could happen. Yeah, just thinking towards the future for Baker. I'm sure Tampa's going to try to get him to come back on a very team friendly deal. Now, mm -hmm. what the dollar figure would look like. I don't know, maybe in the 15 to 20 range. I mean, it's not going to be the 40, whatever range. Like he's not going to get Mahomes money. No, but could he get 20 a year? Because if you're paying your quarterback 20, that is, that's not a lot. 
No. And you can build, you can build around the quarterback. You can pay other guys at other positions and build a more complete roster. I, I don't know. I'm really interested to see how that unfolds there. I know. You've got an opportunity to do like what Seattle did when Russell Wilson was first there, what San Francisco's doing with Brock Purdy. Like it, it's a little different because you're going to be paying more than those those tiny rookie deals um, from from guys that were drafted way back. But I mean, you've got to be. I I don't know that there's going to be much of a market for Baker because he's almost in that purgatory area. Like he's not going to command big money, so there's not going to be a bunch of teams that are like, "We got to have him." He's like the difference in in what we're doing. He can be our franchise guy. I don't think he fits that role necessarily. Um, so like he's he's got to be realistic, and the fact that. Yeah, you know, it wasn't very long ago there wasn't any quarterback in the league making fifteen to twenty million dollars a year. Like, right, it wasn't very long at all. Like that is a ton of money, and it could end up being great for him because you go somewhere that they pay a ton of money and they got to make decisions like who can we keep and who can we not because of this huge percentage we're paying to the quarterback. If he could get a deal like that, he should jump at it. And they can surround him with good offensive line, continue to add to that defense. It's still going to be, for quite a while, I believe, a very winnable division. So, yeah, I love it. I think the future is bright. All right. Who do you have as your loser of the week? Even though it's been a great year, I've got to take the Detroit Lions. And what may be the worst way to lose a football game I've seen in a long time? Uh, Pretty wild. You knew they were going to go for two, or at least you had the feeling they were going to go for two. If they scored that touchdown, they got it in there. Sure enough, here it comes. They try the tackle eligible play. Try to be maybe a little too discreet with it there and, and maybe hide the that you're making yourself eligible. I don't know what exactly went on there, but they nail it and then get called back. And then they go for it again on, on what, about the seven-yard line? And I didn't mind the call. It it did feel like you killed your momentum a little bit there. Um, but I still don't I don't have a problem with the call. Consider who you're playing, you're on the road. Uh, but a wild ending to that game and hated it for Detroit the way that unfolded. I you talk about the highest high to the lowest low for an offensive lineman. And and Taylor Decker was a uh, when I was in Detroit, that's when they drafted Decker and he was a rookie. So I, I know him, right. went to his wedding. Like he's, he's a smart guy. I guarantee you, he said, I'm reporting as eligible, but he didn't do the big demonstrative. You're supposed to raise your hand and do this. Mm-hmm. And you're right. They were trying to be discreet. And I know Skipper, the other guy, they were trying to be discreet about who was going to be eligible. And it worked perfectly. Mm-hmm. The only problem is, the ref needs to open his damn ears. I believe Taylor Decker. You got to pay more attention, referee. Come on. It's ridiculous. You know, it's interesting because... The, and if the, you report the, the, eligible, they announce it. Like, over the last... Right. Like, hey, number 68 is reported as eligible. Yeah. It was weird, though, in the clip, 
you've got the two guys over there trying to talk to him, and he just seems like so disinterested in what they're like. He's like looking around him, like he's moving him walking out of the way. away from them. Right? What is he doing? I, what? Where is know. he going? You know, and I thought, I thought, uh, was it Aikman and them on the call? I thought they did a disservice because the first thing they showed was Detroit breaking the huddle and going to the line of scrimmage. And they're like, well, he did look, he did not, um, he did not, you know, declare himself eligible. And I was like, that ain't, you don't do it after you break the huddle. You do it before you go in as personnel. So like, they like set the stage incorrectly from the very beginning right. for, for like the announcement of it. But like, I don't know when I, they were definitely playing with it a little bit to try and keep it discreet, but it's still a really bad way to like lose a game. The emotional swing, the high to low was, was pretty wild. No, it was, it was tough to watch. Like all current and former offensive linemen everywhere were celebrating the game winning catch by an O lineman. And then for it to be ripped away from us, just tragic. Yeah. Well, hey, still making the playoffs, though. What a year for, for the Lions. No doubt. All right, let's finish up with my winner and loser. But first. Elevate your tailgate with Chapel Supply and Equipment in Oklahoma City. Chapel Supply and Equipment has generators and inverters on hand that will give you all the power you need so you can take your tailgate to the next level. They've also got top-of-the-line heaters to keep you warm during those cold tailgates later in the season. They're Oklahoma-owned and operated. Elevate your tailgate by calling 405-495-1722 or visit chapelsupply.com. That's C-H-A-P-P-E-L-L supply.com. And attention, business owners, you need Insurica in your life. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information from many insurance carriers. They compare and contrast coverage offerings and pricing in order to design a cost-effective comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. Insurica's clients become best-in-class businesses by working with Insurica's team of advisors to manage risk. Purchasing insurance is only one way to protect your business. Best-in-class businesses win by avoiding a loss in the first place. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. I'm an Insurica client, and you should be too if your business wants to be best-in-class. Connect with Insurica at Insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A dot com. And head to OpolisClothing.com for our podcast merchandise and the best OU gear out there. That's O-P-O-L-I-S Clothing.com. Use promo code TED, T-E-D, for 10% off. That's OpolisClothing.com. Use promo code TED for 10% off. Buttery soft and 10% off. My winner of the week, only one choice, baby. The Oklahoma City Thunder. Let's go. Beat the Boston Celtics Tuesday night, 127-123. And sure, you got to give the Celtics some credit. Jalen Williams, he what? He hammers that dunk on the breakaway. I think there's some four minutes left. Looked like the Thunder were going to cruise to a big win. Celtics made it very uncomfortable at the end. I, I think that was more with like eight minutes left. I don't know, but it felt like, oh my gosh, they're going to blow the Celtics out. And to the Celtics credit, made it very uncomfortable for me. And 
Derek White hit that three to make it a two-point game with 40 seconds to go. Then J-Dub gets, he gets the clutch basket there in the lane, kind of a little step back, a little fade action. Uh, Porzingis, luckily, has big feet, foot's on the line. But Thunder makes some clutch free throws, Ted, and I know this. Shade Gilgis Alexander is damn good at basketball. I know that. 36, well, 7, and 6. I, the Thunder are, I mean, it's it's semi-early, but the rip they've just gone on the last, what, 10 or 12 games and who they've played and who they've gone through home and on the road, that's got to be the best stretch of basketball played by anyone this year in the NBA. I I don't think anyone's going to argue that with you. Uh, so they are currently 23-9. and nine. Uh, They're one game back of Minnesota in the West. And they've won eight of nine. They're on a five-game winning streak. And when you look at that eight of nine, those eight wins include, include two wins over Denver, mm. which includes blowing them out in Denver. It includes a win over the Clippers. Now, Kawhi didn't play. But the Clippers had, what, what eight or nine in a row when they came to Oklahoma City and the Thunder beat them. They blew out Minnesota. They beat Boston. I mean, all these people are trying to figure out who the Thunder are going to trade for or if they should trade for anyone. And I'm over here going, I think you just got to let this thing ride, man, and see what happens. I'm kind of with you. Like, they got a good flow. I'm sure the locker room, like when you're winning like that, the locker room's always good, right? Um, be careful what you change, right? Be careful what you change. If you don't need to, uh, maybe you don't, I don't know. Um, I guess you never know what, what type of opportunities they may have, but they're getting scary. Good, man. I don't know, I know. how excited to be, what, what the expectations should be. Yeah. And you know, Giddy is already, he is. Always a topic of conversation, you know, right? When people talk about trades, they're always trading Giddy somewhere else. He had a huge impact in the Celtics game. 23-8-6, hit four threes. Chet hit some big shots late. SGA was just blowing by whoever they put on him. I mean, Drew Holiday could not guard him. Uh, he is, I said it a couple weeks ago, I'm going to say it again. He is a legit MVP candidate. I think right now, top two, top three with what they've been able to do and what he's done individually. But and if they keep their if they keep playing like this, like it feels like there's always like a, a surge for like some new blood, you know, and he may get some of that behind him, some momentum behind that. But you're right, definitely in the top three. Has to be. Yeah. Now looking at you know, a couple other things in that Boston game. Wasn't surprised that Jason Tatum gave him trouble. He's an incredible basketball player. I mean, he's just some of the, his shot making, some of his shot making is just ridiculous. Derek White continues to play really good basketball. The the big debate in the NBA right now is is Derek White going to be an all star or not? I mean, he that dude is having himself a season. I I was a little surprised that Porzingis gave the Thunder buckets the way that he did. Well, 34 and 10, got to the free throw line a lot. But it's one of those where I'm almost glad that it happened. 
Chet Holmgren is a guy that seems to take stuff like that very personally and then use it as fuel. So I'm just filing that one away. I'm just filing that one away. I think uh, Chet's clearly he's going to be thrilled that they got the win. But the way that Porzingis went off in that game, I think that's going to piss him off a little bit. And I think that's a good thing. Do we need someone to write an article about, uh, you know, is there something to worry about with the way that Porzingis put 34 up on home ground? Yeah. Yeah. Just getting fired up for that next one. I like that. But I did, there's just no doubt. This team is rolling. Shay Gilgis Alexander is one of the what top five best players in the NBA, and I don't think anyone would debate that at this point in time. Chet is really developing nicely. Jalen Williams is the steal of the draft last year. I mean, the crowd is back. Paycom Center is packed, sold out. I think the last five or six games, something like that. We are so back, baby. Let's go. Loving it, man. Loving it. My loser of the week. Carolina Panthers owner, David Tepper. So, for those of you that did not see uh, the Panthers, who are the worst team in the NFL, uh, they got demolished last week, 26 to nothing, in Jacksonville by the Jags. And Tepper was caught on video throwing his drink on a Jags fan from a suite. <laughs> that cost him $300,000, which you're like, oh my gosh, that's a lot of money. Listen, David Tepper is worth $20 billion. The fine is, it's nothing to the man. The fine is whatever. But Ted, this is why he is my loser of the week. I was thinking about this. Dan Snyder's gone. Dan Snyder was the owner that it was easy for everyone to pick on. Everyone hated Dan Snyder. And David Tepper seems determined to step into that role. <laughs> uh, you know what I mean? Because it's like he wants to be the least liked owner in the NFL. Dude is firing coaches left and right. He's always speaking publicly about what's going on with the team. Doesn't seem to say many complimentary things ever. He's throwing drinks on people. I feel like in a very short amount of time, this guy, who is incredibly sex successful personally, like incredibly successful, was able to buy an NFL team. He has done a very good job of getting all kinds of people to dislike him in a very short amount of time. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, well, hey, you need a villain, and maybe he's just going to play that role. Maybe he's just going to play that role. You got to watch out, though. You throw your drink on the wrong person at an NFL game, it's going to cost you more than 300 k It's going to cost you a busted nose. Yeah. <laughs> kind of looked a, like that fan wanted to climb up in that suite. I don't know if you saw the video. I was like, uh-oh. There's there's a number of guys that would willingly uh, spend, the, spend the week in jail or whatever it might take to go up there and crack that expensive face. Yeah, but it just, it seems like he is created a pretty awful reputation for himself. And it's, new new owner syndrome is a very real thing, but you 
You don't have you, you can't act like that. I mean, that no. is it, that's a bad look, man. It doesn't matter how much money you have. Uh if you act like that, people are gonna consider you a douche. It doesn't matter. He's you putting be, off strong douche vibes right now. Strong. Really strong. Really strong. And I mean, not exactly what you want uh, as the owner of a team. Now, I, in some regards, it doesn't matter. It's an NFL football team. is an ATM machine. It really doesn't matter like what you think, even what your fans think, even if they show up to the football game, uh, the way they share revenue and everything. But you don't want the other owners starting to distance themselves from you. Because they can say, you know what? Maybe you should sell the team. They could, they could pull that on you pretty quickly. I just imagine being worth $20 billion and letting a Jags fan get under your skin. <laughs> I mean, just think about that, dude. It's crazy. It is crazy. Don't go to a game in, uh, in New York against the Jets or the Giants. I'll tell you that right. Or Philly. Good luck in <laughs> Buffalo, brother. Good luck in Buffalo. Oh, my gosh. Since Tepper purchased the team, 31 and 67. Mm. Uh, the trade, the substantial trade to draft Bryce Young with the number one overall pick, not looking good. And the loss, it just guaranteed that the Chicago Bears, who own that pick now, uh, will be drafting first. And I'm pretty sure they'll take Caleb Williams. And I think he's going to be going to have a nice NFL career. Just got your, your owner throwing drinks on people. The team stinks. I, the vibes are not good in Carolina, Ted. I mean, just whatever you think things are horrible, they're probably going to knock Tampa Bay out of the, uh, out of the playoffs. No, nah, that's not going to happen. Nah. Not going to happen. Birthday shout outs. Happy sixth birthday to Rhett Wood. Happy 12th birthday to Coulter Still Singleton. Happy 15th birthday to Laney Sheffield. Happy 40th birthday to Richard Razor. I wonder if that one's real. I see what you did there, person. It could be real, though. <laughs> if it's a real name, that's an awesome name. <laughs> and happy 64th birthday. Oh no, they want you to do this one. You go, you uh, go, you go. Happy 64th birthday to Kathy Goodman. Nice. Happy birthday, Kathy. On that note, episode 384 in the books. We'll have a new podcast that'll drop on Sunday. Just a reminder, you can hear Teddy from three to six on the ref. You can hear me from two to five on Sirius XM Big 12 Radio, channel 375. Hope you all have a great rest of your week. Have an awesome weekend. Until next time. We appreciate y'all for listening. Do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other.
just one more time.